Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. And when you know people like that, it's a horrible thing when you kind of wake up and you smell the coffee and it's gone. And you're counting on that. The beauty of it all is that we have an eternal God that gives us an eternal life and we become eternal people that have an eternal inheritance. And this passage is the promise that we have from God with that. Let's go a little bit further. It says, we'll never fade away, won't devalue. But it doesn't stop there. It says, reserved in heaven for you, which I'm excited about because that means that it's already waiting for me, which again, it's another promise of eternal life, eternal security to the believer. It's already there waiting for me. It doesn't go away. If I lose my salvation, then it would go away. There'd be no need for it. And this verse then would be ripped out of my Bible. And I have a real holy Bible then. Excuse the pun. But the truth of the matter is, is that we are there forever. I love this. And that's why we trust in a good shepherd who is God, who does so many wonderful things for us here. But the best of all is that he promises us eternity to be with him forever and ever for us to worship and adore him there. Let's go back to the passage. That's not all. Verse 5. Then it says, Who are protected by the power of God. Now, if you'd circle the word who... Some people say, well, it's the inheritance that's protected by the power of God. If it's the inheritance, that still doesn't take away the eternal security of the believer. That again means that the Lord is protecting my inheritance that is waiting for me, who is guaranteed to go to heaven. It's there for me. However, I think a better word as it's translated is not the word protected or preserved for me. I like what the King James Version says. It uses the word, it is kept. It is kept. It is held on to. So preserved is okay. Protected is okay, but kept has a little bit stronger meaning, and it's kept by, watch this, watch this, not by my power, not even by my belief, it is kept by His power, and all of you know the infinite power of God. So it is kept. And now, most importantly, watch this, it's not my inheritance that's kept, it's the who, the personal pronoun. I am kept. So that means when I have a bad hair day, and perhaps I wander off the path, That does not mean that I will lose my salvation. I am kept. And notice the last part of it. It says, through faith, not through works, for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Revealed doesn't mean like, oh, I I didn't know I had all of this. Kind of like, oh, there it is. No, the revelation means the full revelation of all this is we have somewhat of a revelation, but we don't have all of it. And it will finally be released to us completely. We get the whole ball of wax at the last time. We are saved now, but there's so much more waiting for us on the other side. And that's why I encourage you, if you have the time, to come to that seminar. What does God really say about the afterlife? A lot of people can say, I've been there, done that, and I'm back, and I'm telling you about it. And they might have a few verses and experiences that they've read from Scripture and all of that. But I'm going to tell you, your best hope for the accuracy of what the afterlife is or is not is going to be found when you study God's Word. And I apologize that we only give you a three-hour seminar to do that. But there'll be enough there to whet your appetite. And that's all a part of for those who have the eternal security of the believer through faith in Him when He keeps us saved. Let's go back to the Gospel of John. John chapter 10. John chapter 10. So that's verse 28, but verse 29, we kind of got into that, but I want to talk about that a little bit more as we bring it a little bit further into this passage. So verse 29 says, My Father who has given them to me, so you see kind of a, a solidarity thing going on, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. All right? Now if you will, 
Circle the word out of my father's hand. Verse 28, out of my hand. And once again, you see the deity of Christ in here. He's now given that back to them. So while he's talking about eternal security and who the believers are, and they hear my voice and yada, 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 he's also given that bigger message that I am God. And then he goes a little bit further in verse 30, and he says, I and the Father are one which is basically we're one in essence, we're one in nature. There's a unification thing going on here of who we are. That means that you are forever saved because of the greatness of the Lord. Now, when you see all of that, I want you to realize that there are some false securities we can have. And let me go through a couple of them. The first false security, I should say three kinds of security. The first one is a, is a false security. If I could speak a moment to some of you that have been so-called, and I'm going to kind of do quotes up here for those that can't see this. You call yourself Christians. You were born in a Christian home. You might have a Christian Bible. You've gone to a Christian church. You know how to talk Christianese. And so you might have it all on the outward. And you might even be able to argue some of these points. And you might even say, yeah, I know. It's only by faith. And yeah, you're eternally secure. And then at the same time, deep in your heart, you think, if I do this, then I'm really not saved. I did not. I got to continue in my Christian life. Otherwise, I will lose this. That's a false sense of security because you really think you're saved because you've lived a pretty good life after you're saved and you're looking at your life to determine that you must be saved because you're living a good life and all I have to do is look at some really great cultists out there that live a good life as well and that doesn't mean that they're saved. So there's this false sense of security and so let me just caution you again. For just a moment, you've heard a lot of stuff through your life. You might call yourself a Christian but you've got to go back to the Word. When you open the Word, just remember, it is to those who are His sheep to those who hear his voice, to those who know. And it's by faith in him, in him alone. And that opens it all. And then you have the second kind of security. We call that conditional security. Conditional security is a little bit about those who say, well, I, I trust Christ, but uh, at the same time, if I do particular sin, I might lose my salvation. Now let me speak to the rest of you that are on the side of eternal security. You can't lose it. When you go up to a person and you say to them, you know, all you need to do is believe in Christ, and if you believe in Christ, you have eternal life. That means you can go out and rape, rob, steal, kill, commit suicide, blah, 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 and still be saved. I want, you to, I, want, I want you to know something. That is a very dangerous communication to try to make them understand grace. Because, yes, we're saved by grace, we're kept saved by grace, but we don't continue in sin so that grace can abound. So our life then needs to be looked at. And so, should I step away from the fold. Should I wander? The Lord says, I love you and I will bring you back. If I was a real sheep and I have wandered by my choices of curiosity or whatever, like we heard the song sung about, and I was flirting with the world and I walked off the path and I kind of fell down, I'm, I'm, I'm down in this crevice of the world chewing me up and spitting me out because of choices of the sheep I've made. It doesn't mean that my shepherd is not my shepherd any longer. But it does mean that my shepherd will lose no one, John 6, 37 and 39. And he's going to take that shepherd's crook. And when he does, I can only believe as tenderly as he will be with me, there's still going to be some pain, a little bit of bumping around as he gets me out of the world and he points me in the right direction. And all the time that I wasted and how thin I'm going to be because I ate plastic grass or no real food. And now he's got to bring me back and that's going to take some time. So when you explain the eternal security of the believer, here's what you write down. You must explain it in light of the chastening of the believer. Because there are no disobedient children in his family. Because when we disobey, he loves us so much that he will begin to discipline us. Romans 12, 6 and many other verses. So I want you to know you are secure in Christ. 
But at the same time, you cannot go out and live as you please. Let me ask you moms and dads here for a moment, those of you that have children at home. If your child looks up at you and says, I don't believe your value, I don't want your value system, and they run off and they go do their own thing, don't you know that you're going to be after them and try to bring them back because you really love them? And let me add this one other thought. If they came to you as your birth children and they said, you're not my dad, you're not my mother, I don't believe you're my parents, I've been whatever, you know, and they leave. Just because they said you're not their parents, does that then nullify the very fact that you are their parent? So just an intellectual rejection does not make it fact. And I'll tell you, any good father will say, you don't believe I'm your father? Let me show you how I'm your father. And the proper balance of love and discipline will come together to remind us. I only wish we had the time and you had the courage and I had the humility to tell us about the times that we knew we were a sheep but we went after the world and the Lord had to get our attention and he brought us back and we might still have scars on our body and if not, at least in our mind of those memories but the Lord never forsook us. So yes, there is a false security and then there can be a conditional one and I warn you, be careful of that because there is no such thing as a conditional security. Let's look at two disciples in our mind. You had Judas Iscariot and you had Peter. Both of them people, believe me, both of them followed the Lord. And then both of them rejected the Lord. If you looked at Peter's life at the end, you knew he rejected the Lord. Even used some type of profanity as we can basically understand from Scripture. Judas did the same thing. A little bit more severe. So you can look like you're following Christ. You can act like you're following Christ. You might even tell people at times you're following Christ. And yet at times you're going to reject him, but there will be those where Jesus says to Judas that I knew from the beginning that you're of the devil. And so the very point of the matter is you need to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, but don't become fruit inspectors if you just take a snapshot and look at Peter's life now because he was, watch this, an authentic, blood-bought, born-again follower of of Jesus Christ. And here's the third one, and that would be an authentic eternal security. And we've talked a lot about that, so I don't need to spend more time on the eternal security. But so you have three securities. You have the false, you have that conflicted one there that some people might have, and I hope that you don't. It's not conditional, but you have a full eternal security. Warren Wearsby, I, I really like what he wrote here. Would you get your notes out for a second? I want you to see the threefold relationship that Jesus has with his sheep. The first, he has a loving relationship, he says, because he died for him. He loves you. Maybe some of you right now feel like you're so abandoned by people. I want you to know the Lord really loves you. He really cares for you. And he wants you to have an eternal relationship with him. And then secondly, he has a living relationship with you. It's not just I love you and I leave you. It's I love you and I'm going to live with you. That's why Hebrews 13, 4, 5, and 6, you ought to read that passage where Jesus speaking, quoted from the Old Testament. I will never leave you, the Lord says. I will never forsake you. So you can boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear. And so he says, I have a living relationship. And then finally, a lasting relationship. No one will snatch them out of his hands. So folks, if you're still doubting, could you have eternal security? Would God still do that? Yes, he will, he will, he will. If the Lord said, I will never leave you, Never forsake you. The word never there again is never, 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 never. So that means that even if you wander, you can never get away from the Lord and get outside of your salvation. Let me say it more crassly. If you're a sheep, you can never become a goat. You might become an old goat, but you'll never become a goat. All right, you'll always be a sheep. That's what being born again. Well, how did they respond to this? There's a lot in here, but it's very simple, so we can go through it quickly. 
So, so the Jews then picked up stones to stone him. And Jesus answered, I, I showed you many good works from the Father, for which I, which of them are you stoning me for? Look at all the good things I've done. Why are you picking up stones to throw at me? Now Jesus knew the answer. But the Jews answered him and made it public. And they said, for good work, we don't stone you. But for blasphemy, and because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. Pause for a moment. You want to mark that because even the unsaved Jews heard Jesus say that he was God. And in a sense, they're understanding that. Now, that doesn't mean they have the full understanding. They're trusting him that he is God. But they really understood the message that Jesus is God. So he's saying that he is God. So when you come up with a cultist and he comes alongside of you and he starts talking to you about you saying that Jesus is God, you can say, I'm not saying that Jesus is God. Jesus is saying Jesus is God. And so the argument is between them and Jesus, not just between you and them. They still won't get it, just like the Jews, likely. Let's go on. So he says, what's going on? So Jesus said, has it not been written in your law? I said you are God's. Now, here's what he's saying. It comes from Psalms. And in Psalms, it's talking about how the Lord was speaking about some of the judges that were wrong kind of judges, sinful judges. And he, he referred to them as gods. In other words, they were kind of acting like gods. So it says even God called them gods. And if he called them gods, to whom the word of God came and scriptures cannot be broken, which now is saying that the Old Testament is under the inspiration of God because even Jesus is referring to the Old Testament. Do you say of him, whom the Father sanctified and sent in the world, referring to himself, you're blaspheming? You're going to tell me I'm blaspheming because I said I'm the Son of God? Even God called those people gods. But if I do this, verse 37, if I do not do the works of my Father, don't believe me. But if I do them... Though you do not believe me, believe the works. So in other words, if you're not going to hear what I'm saying, at least believe the works that I've done so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Now if you will look up here again. <clears throat> the simple application is this. Jesus kept giving them truth, who he was, and demonstrating it with works. He also quoted them some scripture. For you and me, we may not be able to do work, work, works, that the miracles that the Lord has done, but the greatest miracle is the fact that we have been blood-bought, born again, our life will surely show it. All right. So in other words, we've changed our life, we've come to faith in Jesus Christ by faith alone. So we become the work. We have the Word of God, which become the words. So when we come up to the audiences of our family, our neighbors, the people we work with, teenagers, those you go to school with, they're going to come against you at times. Jesus kept saying the same thing. I give you the Word, I give you the works. If you don't listen to this, look at this. I want you to see the truth is established with two witnesses, Word and works, Word and works, Word and works, all going on. Now, if they, which they might, then reject what you're saying, remember this. They're really not rejecting you. They're rejecting Christ. Because if they rejected Christ here, watch this, over and over and over and over again. And remember they took up rocks to throw at him? This is the fourth time in John alone where they picked up rocks to throw at him. So they're not picking up rocks to throw at you, but they're rejecting your message. So what I want to encourage you to do is keep giving that message. Keep giving that message. Why would that be the case? Because there will still be people occasionally in your life when you give the message that will not throw rocks, of course. They will not reject and they can become a believer because it even happened in the time of Christ. Let's continue and you'll see what I mean. So what did they do then after he spoke all those words? It says here in verse uh, 39, Therefore they were seeking again to seize him, grab him, hold on to him, take him away. But he eluded their grasp. And so he went away again beyond the Jordan to the place where John was first baptizing and he was staying there. So he kind of got out of that mix. He didn't want to cast the pearls before the swine. Kind of got to a new audience. And then verse 41, it says, And many came to him. Well, we don't know where they all came from, but we know they came from outside areas to him and were saying, While John performed no sign, yet everything John said about this man was true, 
And then they said, and many believed in, in him there. So there's two responses. One, you can reject. And number two, you can believe Christ. And my heart would be for you to believe in Christ. That would reveal more than anything that you are the sheep of his pasture. And that will give to you the good and the great shepherd. And folks, we desperately need him to guide our life. I have not had the time to exhaust every news article on the internet or television on what went on in Wake or West Texas or even up in Boston. But sometimes when I'm driving down the highway, I let my mind think about what it would be like if I was at the mall and there was a huge explosion and something took Carol. Some, some, some crisis happened. I think of some of you that are our first responders and you run to something to try to resolve a problem when you get there it's so bad literally it blows up in your face because you can't even get out of it well my first thought is I sure hope there was a Christian nearby that was clearly and compassionately and correctly giving the plan of salvation where that person trusted Christ so at least they have that home reserved for them in heaven if not it's too late but then I think of all the people I think of those that had their legs blown off. I think of those that will be scarred for life by the shrapnel. I think of those that will have burns and all the reconstructive surgery. I think of the loss of jobs, the loss of businesses, the disruption in the school system of the education, the overload on the medical society. I'm thinking about the political scene, the economic scene, that whole area there, plus what's going to go on when they do all the legal things. Everything is going to be... That apple cart will take decades perhaps before it will all be set up right. And watch this. We don't have to have an apple cart set up right before the shepherd comes into action. I want you to know the shepherd is there at the very moment that it happens. Now some of you say, why did this happen? I don't know why it happened. I just know that God makes no mistakes and that he is still God and has the right to do whatever he wants. But he has a shepherd that will go all the way and has to the cross. You and I need a shepherd. And I know there are a bunch of folks that are probably running to Jesus right now because it's their only hope is to have that relationship with Him. But I caution you, at any moment we could be hit with a tsunami, we could be hit during the summer with a horrific hurricane, you could be in a grinding automobile accident. I'm not trying to speak doom and gloom to you. I'm trying to speak to the realities of life in this world that's covered with sin and I'm trying to present to you the good and the great shepherd. You need him and he is your eternal shepherd because you'll have eternal life with him. So your choice is to be one of those who are the many who came and believed or you could be the others who heard again and again and again and again and again and again and you kept rejecting almost to the point you want to throw out the person who's giving you the truth. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and take a moment and experience the wonderful shepherd who is God and that's why he can be the shepherd? You can trust him because of his character. You can trust him because of his power. You can trust him because of his promises. He's got the character because he has the power. And with the power, he has the ability to make and keep his promises. So if you're listening to this right now, perhaps now you're going to hear the voice of the Lord when he says, speaking his word from John 6, 47, 
Truly, truly, I say unto you, he that believes on me has right now everlasting life. That's the voice of Scripture. Do you know that? Will you hear that? Will you receive Christ? You know, you talk about following him with your life. I think the first thing you need to do is to follow him with your belief system. So would you right now have that conversation with the Lord? You want to come out? Come out as a sheep. He says, and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish and neither shall anyone will or able be able to snatch them out of my hand. And you are kept by the power of God. And I will not only give you fire insurance, but I will give you a shepherd who will be there. And folks, our response to that is not a feel-good, got this guy who's powerful and knows everything I can go to. It's our opportunity to go tell somebody what a great shepherd he is. So is there anyone in here today that's ready to say to the, to the Lord, Lord, I'm trusting in you for the full forgiveness of my sin. I believe that you're the one that be the shepherd who's also the sheep. The shepherd who gave his life and the sheep who was slain before the foundation of the world. A truth that was established before Jesus even died. Would you trust Christ? You can't make a mistake. Only God knows your thoughts. I'd like to pray for you. So in a moment I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand if you've trusted Christ. Now, me praying for you doesn't get you into heaven, doesn't secure your salvation. Standing up, filling out a card, raising your hand, all that is earthly stuff. But for you to be born again, that's something you do in your heart and your mind before the Lord. And once you've done that, you're kind of outwardly letting me know by an uplifted hand and maybe even filling out that little guest card and letting me know so we can send you some material. But right now, being saved is not any of that. It's you calling upon the name of the Lord. It's you responding to His voice. It's you letting Him know that you know Him and that you know that He knows you. So you tell Him that right now. So is there anyone in the quietness of this moment that would like to let me know that today is the day you're trusting Christ. I won't have you come forward, won't mention your name in my prayer, won't embarrass you in any way. I just want to know if you've trusted Christ and now I can pray for you as an after-fact opportunity. So would you slip up your hand quietly? No one's looking around, no one can see you do it. Would you like me to pray for you? Just put up your hand, put it down, anyone at all. Thank you, God bless you. All right, for you Christians that are out there, how many of you are going through some some time right now where you are really experiencing perhaps now the voice of the Lord it might not be taking you back away from the world where you've drifted it might be I don't know I don't know you and your life and I'm not ever going to judge or maybe some of you are saying I need to get back to sound Bible teaching and I need to be a part of a church which teaches the word I need to get involved in a small group I need to get a good Bible and start studying and reading it obeying it following the voice of the shepherd through scripture I need to follow and if I'm a woman, an older woman who's knowledgeable, and if I'm a guy, an older guy that's knowledgeable, I want my kids to be underneath the sound of the teaching. I want to be able to hear his voice, know his voice, and then follow him from the inside out. And so, Pastor, pray for me that I would be a faithful follower of the gentle shepherd. Pray for me. Would you put up your hand? Is there anyone here at all? Any of you? Amen. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you how that you carefully and wonderfully revealed yourself in Scripture. And 
That, Father, that once you've unleashed us on us this truth of the shepherd, that you never leave us, that that truth continues to build and build and build. But now, Father, we pray that we are sheep that are not only going to follow you, but we'll be spiritually reproducing by sharing that message with others. I pray for those that are wanting to return back to the Word of God, that, Father, you'll be there to help them and love them and reveal yourself even more to them and celebrate the truth of experiencing you from your Word and knowledge to see that you are God and you are our God and our Lord. And then for those that might have wandered a little bit toward uh, the world and away from you, that, Father, you'll call them back and help them, Father, to see that they're in a direction that could be harmful to them physically and spiritually. And we thank you, Father, that it's not harmful eternally in the sense of salvation. But it very well could be for rewards later on. And so, Lord, I just thank you again today. Gentle shepherd, come and lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Oh, 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 oh,